The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So, Mari, what's your show about today? Well, you know, Lloyd, today our show is about cosmic and spiritual energy and how that affects our relationships because there's energy. It's not just the words that we say, but it's the energy that's involved in the words that we say and how it creates conflict or how it f- creates collaboration. So we are so lucky today that we are going to be speaking with the author of Partners in Passion. This is part of the relationship series, um, and it's by David Price Francis, who's coming to us all the way from New York. Let me tell you a little bit about his background. David Price Francis, M.A., is an author, speaker, and transformational coach in the dynamics of interpersonal relationships and self-development. He's lectured for over 30 years, and he's a charismatic teacher on pathways to spiritual growth and achieving energetically healthy relationships. He specializes in understanding universal energies and the laws that govern them, and demonstrating how these powers and forces can vibrantly transform our relationships in our lives and our happiness. He's a graduate of Oxford University. You're going to hear this wonderful British accent. And he's the author, as I said, of Partners in Passion and The Tales of Dr. Wu. He's also the founder of Energy Worlds Certified Practitioner Training. And you can see clips of him and his radio media appearances. They can all be found at energyworlds.com. Thank you, David, for joining us from the East Coast. Thank you, Marie. Very glad to be here. Well, this is a, a great book. So what got you to write this book, Partners in uh, Passion? Well, really a background of studying energy, universal energy and the laws that govern them, as you said it there and then taking those understandings and applying them to the whole dynamic of relationships between people, particularly in this book, man-woman relationships, but it also has wider application. Okay. Looking so at the I- go ahead. Really looking at the idea that men are from Mars and women are from Venus, but getting behind that to the energies out of which those two statements come. So let's talk exactly about what do you mean by human energy field? Okay. Well, every person lives inside their own unique bubble of energy. 
Um, it can be seen by some people who've been trained and some people from an early age see what used to be called the human aura. I prefer to call it the human energy field. And um, it stretches about 32 inches around a person, and uh, it can contract and expand according to the energies that are at play inside their life. And so, for example, when we go to sleep at night, it pulls in closer to us. That's where we get the expression sleep tight. And in the morning, it's actually got replenished with energy overnight. It's the prime purpose of sleep is energy replenishment. And the energy field actually expands. That's why in the morning you say, oh, you look wide awake today. Mm. So we have this energy field, and it then demonstrates in color and frequency what's happening in our life. So if we become um, irritable, we might see a red flash go off in the person's energy field when someone gets very emotionally charged that can produce a, a shade of yellow, either a dark yellow if they're emotionally upset or a beautiful illuminated yellow if they're in a close relationship and feeling emotionally secure and warm towards another person. So different colors, color is the first cloak of energy. So different colors tell us what different energies are at play in the person's energy field and also in a relationship. So how about men and women? Are they energetically different from each other? They are, and this is where that saying, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, comes in. Because Mars is a, is a symbol. The ancients believed that the masculine energy was more inclined to be like the energy from the planet Mars. So they put with it the color red, the metal iron, and um, whereas the feminine energy, there's the little nursery rhyme in England, sugar and spice and all things nice. Mm -hmm. That's what little girls are made of. That's little Venusians. And frogs and snails and puppy dogs' tails, that's what little boys are made of. That's more to do with Mars. So we have two different natures of force or power, which switches on at full um, around the time of puberty. Up until that point, the boy and the girl are, in a way, in training. They're not able to handle that full energy. And it's the energy connection that causes the changes at puberty. The energy connection happens first and then follows the hormonal and chemical changes. So in the ancient system, testosterone would have been put with Mars, Estrogen would have been put with Venus. Alkali would have been put with Venus. Acid, more to do with Mars. So we get expressions like the martial arts, which is to do with Mars power. And we get um, venal, sweet venal moments to do with that feminine power. But it isn't that the man contains only the masculine force and energy and the woman only contains the feminine. Otherwise, they wouldn't need to have anything to do with each other. So what they showed in the... Um, in the symbol from the East, that yin-yang symbol, yin being the feminine and the yang being the masculine, is that the man contains two-thirds masculine power but one-third feminine, and the woman contains two-thirds feminine but one-third masculine, and they're always trying to complete each other. Um, that's why we feel this tremendous attraction that can happen um, between the genders, and um, that is because there is built into the creation system um, I, I call it zip-zip, <laughs> which mm -hmm. is that exchange of energy that passes between strangers on the street. We all know that moment when walking down the street and you look into someone's eyes and you feel some energy pass. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's very little. There's that moment of the, the, thun the thunderbolt, as it was called in Sicily, where the look is so powerful that it changes both people's destiny on the spot.
Okay, so why does that happen when sometimes there's a spark, you see somebody and there's that spark and and other times you don't? Um, I think the main reason is that energy fields that are very similar to each other, they are in a way aphrodisiac. Um, So two people can be born in different parts of the country, but their experience leads them to have particular energetic frequencies and powers in their field and in their mind and in their, their heart and in their blood. So they have a particular frequency. And when they find their soulmate, as it's been termed, um, they meet someone else who's on that same frequency. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like going into a room and there can be 100 people in the room and your eyes look around the room and suddenly they lock onto one other person. And they look at you and you look at them and you both know that that's the conversation you need to have because you're on a shared frequency. I mean, this is where, for example, we have sayings like birds of a feather flock together. People form into clubs of mutual interest. Um, But also we're naturally attracted by another person's frequency that's similar to our own. And just to say one other thing with that, there is also that law that opposites attract, which may sound contradictory, but it's not. What it is is that if somebody suppresses a signal powerfully enough, it grows in energy in their field until it can actually even overcome them and someone else looks on and say, well, what does she see in him or what does he see in her? Um, It's because the signals that have been suppressed actually call out more powerfully to another person who carries those same signals. How how does it all relate to um, homosexual relationships? Do you have any view on that? Yeah, what's happening there is the masculine energy in the man is, is being attracted to the masculine energy in another man rather than being attracted to the masculine power which is held within the woman. Oh. So that's how I add up that energetic process both for the man and the woman. Hmm. So you talk in your book about energy dating, okay? So tell us yes. about that. Uh, energy dating is where two people um, decide to get together to meet. And the first thing that really meets is their energy fields. I like to say that um, it's actually the energy fields that exchange the first kiss. So energy dating is to do with clearing a space and clearing a time in which two people are able to come together and discover if their energies are compatible. Um, in, in regular dating, we all know that if two people come together, say, on a Tuesday night, and they both have a miserable time, and one of them looks at the other and says, well, do you think we ought to do this again? They both kind of go, no, let's, let's give it a pass. The energies haven't been mutually supporting. Hmm. But if they come together and they create a third field, which is a very important feature of energy dating, Um, When they come together, if they both feel mutually more buoyant, happier because of the experience, they can't wait to come back together. So when any two people meet, they create a third power between them. That's why I like to say it's not so much the man falls in love with the woman or the woman with the man. They actually fall in love with what happens between them. So love is the third power. Love is Mm -hmm. the third thing. And that's what I call the relationship field. And when two people come together and that relationship field fortifies, supports, encourages both of their lives, well, they can't wait to meet again because it makes them feel good. 
Um, if they come together and it has the opposite effect, well, that's usually the first and the last date. Um, so energy dating puts an emphasis upon what are the energies at play when the two people come together, and how do you read those energies, even in terms of body language. So, for example, advice about an effective energy date, one of the first pieces of advice that I tend to give um, is to learn the art of listening because when one person actually listens to the other, they go quiet inside and they, they lend them their ears, as the, the saying, saying is, and actually listen intently, then the energies transfer from the person speaking to the person receiving. If the one who's supposedly receiving is busily rehearsing in, in his or her head what they're going to say next, the energies coming towards them actually turn upside down and get sent back. And that's when you start to see uncomfortable body language. The person who's speaking can feel they're not being received. They start to fidget, arms get crossed, legs get crossed, and they start to lean backwards. And the physical body language follows up what's already happening energetically. So the energies come first, energy dating, and then the physical or material world follows after, um, which is the realm of what most of the the books that are out there are into is they explore the body language, but what they don't explore is what causes the body language, which is always the energies that are at play and whether there's a good transmission and reception going on both ways. Okay, so we're sitting here on the campus of the University of California, and a lot of people are dating. And um, so can you give a couple of practical examples that these people can can really use to create great relationships. Can they? Yes. Um, okay. Let's go with a let's go with an energy example from. Uh, we'll go back to ancient Egyptian times, um, and the reason that I'll do that is because they show certain postures in their artwork, which are energy postures designed to increase the soul power between the man and the woman. And I actually demonstrate this on the videos on the Energy World site because sometimes a picture can be worth a thousand words. Right. But in brief, for example, um, in, in, their, in their system, what they saw was that the man's right hand is transmissive energetically and the woman's left hand is transmissive energetically. They have the same system in Assyria. Um, and part of what I've been researching is that once upon a time on the planet, the energies on the planet were much more powerful and they gradually diminished in their potency so we didn't feel so much the effect of these energy worlds but in this time the, the energy systems are beginning to increase in power again so these postures are beginning to work so for example here's a practical thing when a man and a woman go out on a date if the woman stands on the man's right hand side they increase the flow of energy going between them if the woman stands on the man's left-hand side, they diminish the flow of energy going between them. And that is very practical. Interesting. So I'm sh I'm that's sure easy to do. That's easy to yeah. fix. <laughs> yeah, Stand so on his right side. Yes. And if you want to diminish the flow of energy, mm. which also sometimes is necessary, let's say there's a bit of an argument going on or you're literally fed up with each other's energies, you've had yes. as much of each other as you can handle for that day, <laughs> then you can deliberately reverse the process so um, the woman stands on the man's left-hand side. Um, and that reduces the energy flow. So it can be used very scientifically uh, in terms of boosting or diminishing the energy. 
And I'm sure the listeners will have had the experience of walking down the street and somehow just getting the feeling they're on the wrong side of the person they're with, and instinctively they switch sides. But if you were to stop them and say, why did you just do that? They'll say, well, it just feels better. And mm -hmm. it's because we have an instinct about these energies, but mostly it's not made conscious. So that would be one practical example. And another um, very practical thing is cleaning and clearing the energies of the space where you're going to meet your date. Mm. Um, less easy to do in a restaurant, but let's say you're going to meet in a, in a room. Let's say there's a dorm room, if we're taking the example of uh, energies in a college. Well, a dorm room gets filled with many people. All the activity that goes on in that room gets lodged in the walls and in the atmosphere. So if a person knows how to not only physically clean a space, but energetically clean a space, it means they don't get so influenced by the history of what's gone on in that room. They can create their own sacred space. They can create their own energy field in there afresh. And there are certain tools that are very useful to use in doing that. Um, one is simply a bell. Um, that's the simplest tool to use because sound vibration breaks up old energies. And that's why they used to use bells in churches and why in many religious practices they use bells. It's to break up the old energies that are there. So if you want a fresh energy date, um, refresh the space in which you're going to meet. That would be another practical application. You know, David, it is so interesting that you brought up about the bell and clearing the energy. When I go into a mediation and I know that there's been energy in that room before, negative energy or different kinds of energy, I go in and I actually kind of visualize just a cleansing, kind of a golden light filling the room and just kind of over, kind of overpowering whatever was there. And I bring a bell and I ring my bell and I kind of get centered. And then if there is a negative energy that arises, if people start to get uh, escalated in their conflict issues, I, I just start ringing the bell and I tell everybody that when the bell rings, you listen to the bell and then when the bell sound is completely gone, then you can start again. And that really seems to break up the, the negative energy when I'm trying to help people resolve their disputes. So it, it does relate not just to dating relationships, but all kinds of conflict, right? Absolutely true. And the bell was scientifically designed for exactly that purpose. So that, that's where I have one even by the bed. And it's a very good thing in the morning when you wake up to ring a bell over the bed simply to disperse the energies that you've released during the night um, in your sleep, because during the hours of the night, you release energies, and you don't want to climb back into those the next day. Oh, perfect. Yeah, how about this? In your, in your book, Partners in Passion, you describe seven levels of love and sex. Can you help us and tell what they are, what are they, and how do you determine where your relationship is really at? Yes, absolutely. Um, that corresponds with the energy worlds of the planet. So the planet's energy worlds, um, they separate into levels. And that's one of the energy laws of the planet is what's called the law of seven natures. And you can see it when you look at the rainbow, and you can see how the light of the sun, uh, when it arrives on the planet, it's separated out into seven frequencies. It even happens with the energy of the moon. That's why they say every seventh wave is a big one, because the energy of the moon is expressed in the action of the tides. So there are seven levels to the planet's energy worlds, 
and all human behavior corresponds or fits into those levels. So the idea of the chakra system, as it's now known, and the human energy field, we're like a little fish, and the planet's big energy field is like the Atlantic Ocean that we're swimming inside. And we draw the signals for our power from that bigger energy world to the planet. And if we process toxic signals, they live at the lowest and slowest level. That's where there are signals that go with abuse and violence and murder and Every human behavior that exists on the planet has energy signals that correspond to it. So sex at the lowest level is abusive. Um, love really doesn't even live at that seventh level. It's so, it's so dark. It's so murky at this point in world history. When we climb up to level six, there we find the profit motive rules the day. So there there's a lot. Sex is used to sell everything at level six. Yes. So it's used to, to sell everything from cars, cosmetics, whatever. And it's the level, for example, where you'd get um, two people who are in a power relationship. Economics rules the day. If you climb to five, then you're at a relationship which is more intellectually based. So um, I think of that to do with you get more argument about who's right or not, but you don't get the toxic behavior you get at the seventh level. And there's much more love, there's much more consideration of the other person. And um, there's much more of an insert transmission of energy during the process of sex because there's much more of an equality. And when you climb above that level to level four of the energy worlds and above, it's like putting your head above the fog. Um, this is where natural equality lives. There's no question of the masculine being dominant upon the feminine or vice versa um, from level four and above. Equality goes with the idea of essence quality or energy quality. And so there's a natural teamwork. So I see that man and woman are naturally the left and right hand of the human team. And they're designed to work in equality together. That happens from that fourth level up. And that's where the level of sex, it starts to move into what in the East they talk of as sacred sex. And they study a tantra. But it was never originally to do with positions. That's something which came much later. Originally, it was all about the energies that were transferring. So there can be tremendous sexual energy transfer in the look, in, in, in look between two people's eyes. Um, in certain court dances, I was demonstrating this just a couple of weeks ago, I had 40 people doing Elizabethan court dances. Mm. Um, and part of what they would do in the original dance was they wouldn't even physically touch so they would approach, and the left and right hand would be about an inch apart. And then they would build the energy field between the man and the woman, and they would do it as a court because they wanted to boost the energy fields of all the members of the court to improve the level of behavior and performance. So when you get into those higher levels, the level of love is much more potent it's a quite a different property than the love. At level six, a person will say, I love my car, I love cookies, I love this, I love that. It's like love gets dished out all over. But when you get into the high levels, love comes with an actual illumination. So the relationship field between two people, they share the look of love. And literally, if someone else has the eyes to see it, they can see a glow between them. That's mm -hmm. why honeymooning couples, for example, other people find them so attractive 
um, when they have that glow about them because it's something that other people want to bring into their own life. And when there is sex at that higher level, then there's a tremendous uh, mutual affection, consideration. It's totally different from the angry, demanding action that takes place in the toxic levels down in level seven. So that's what I mean by the different levels of love and sex. It all depends on the energies that are actually working through the people. Yeah, that's wonderful. How, so given that, I think people are saying, well, well, how do you create that as a lasting love? You know, you may have that on your honeymoon, you have this glow between you. So people always ask, well, how do you make it last? Okay, this is where I'd amend the, the ending of the fairy stories when it says they lived happily ever after. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is what it would say. And then the work really started um, because the way to make it last is to work at it and to consciously and deliberately plant in the relationship field between the partners the energies they want to grow. So not by chance the word field is like a field, like you plant things in a field and you reap a crop. So energetically, two people form a relationship field. And if they can plant warmth and care and encouragement and support, and these are the seeds they plant energetically, then they have a beautiful garden that they can enjoy and it lasts for a life, potentially a lifetime. It can last for a long time. Um, but if they plant seeds of what's in it for me, um, it's, it's about me, me comes first, this isn't fair, I'm complaining, and they put these kind of seeds in, well, it isn't long before they actually have a toxic field between them. And they, they don't even want to be in the same room because when two people have made a toxic field, they come into the same room, they immediately conjure it back up again. They can both be apparently nice people when they're apart. You put them together and you think, where does this storm come from? Well, it comes from what they created between them. So... There are what I call three definite tests of time. Um, again, it's fascinating. It's built into our human biology even. The first one is 28 days. Um, that's when a relationship is only skin deep. Because every 28 days, we literally lose skin cells. <laughs> they last 28 days. It's exactly one cycle of the moon. Huh. So the that's, second test of... Sorry. Go ahead. That, that's good. So that, that's the first test, yeah. Yep. The second test of time is 28 seasons. This is the one they call the seven-year itch mm. because 28 seasons is seven years and um, the woman looks at the man, the man looks at the woman. She says, you're not the man I married. And it's true because every single cell in his body has been replaced uh, except the brain system and this part of the brain system that's in the spine. Mm. So there is a, there is a, a need to um, replenish the, the love, the affection, the field over a seven-year period. There is a natural test at a seven-year stage. And the next one is much further on. It's 28 years, and that one is the Saturnian cycle astrologically. Um, and this is why relationships that can stand the test of time come to be about having joint purpose. I call it a mutually agreed purpose or a map um, because you can have a, a passion which is a flash of passion that can last for a month. Um, it can last seven years. But unless it's supported by mutual interests, by mutually agreed purpose, 
uh, it's not going to sustain over the long term. And this is where two people who consciously agree to work on the relationship and to work on what their mutual purpose is, they form a team, and a team can last a lifetime. Well, that is just a perfect way to end because we are just about out of time. So I want to thank you so much, David Price Francis, for writing this great book, Partners in Passion, Positively Transform Your Intimate Relationships by Understanding the Mystery of Energy Exchange. So I think if you've been in a relationship or you're married seven years or tw- or what is it, seven, or the, what's the next one? 28. Oh, no, 28 days, seven years, or 28 years then that's the time to go on a cruise and have a good time (laughs) and kind of renew everything. Thank you so much, David. That was really great, and we really enjoy your book. And just give your website, and it's time to go. Absolutely. It's www.energyworlds.com, and that's where the book is available. Well, thank you so much, David. We'll talk to you again soon. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Maria. I look forward to it. Okay, bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And KUCI.org on the net, I'm Mari Frank, host of Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 right here in KUCI and visit our website at www.conflicthealing.com and write us what's important to you about healing conflict in your life. Thank you. Bye. It's about trust. in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.